0: Here. Captain, signatures detected. Shield
1: up. Signatures detected. Context self Beach command. What's happening? C- context self Beach command. Delay that order. Context self Beach command. This is the captain. Context self Beach command. Get out of my chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Those are
2: Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison.
0: I'm Adam Pranica.
2: Feeling uh, feeling very silly today, Adam. <laughs> feeling like a silly person who makes silly mistakes.
0: I love your word for dumb. <laughs> 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 that is a much kinder... Is this a therapy thing? Like, is, <laughs> is that just using kind vocabulary at yourself? Because I don't have those tools.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I thought we could... Uh maybe just have a very silly marin today because what we're gonna give the people is not exactly a new episode.
0: I think to the vast majority of friends of DeSoto, this will be a new episode, and here's why.
2: Yeah. Explain this silly shit.
0: Let me tell you and all the Friends of DeSoto how my day has gone today. <laughs> Last night I'm editing the Anton Mount episode until late. Yeah. And it needs credits. And you and I have sort of decided that the next episode, that the episode to follow, was going to be uh, a TOS episode that would uh, make Uhura a central figure. I know there aren't any of those episodes <laughs> that actually qualify as that, but that's what we were going to do.
2: We wanted to, to do a tribute episode, and yeah. and and we thought we'd pick out a TOS episode in which she plays a big role and...
0: And Mirror Mirror was that episode. We were like, that's a great idea. That's an episode we haven't done before, at least according to our computer records.
2: Yeah, yeah, which are not good records. These are the records that we've been keeping, not the records that, like, Wendy has been keeping, which are actually good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The AW records are much better than the bw records (laughs) and so you and i started watching mirror mirror and were filled with deja vu
2: yeah i knew that i'd seen the episode you know at some point i i did watch through the original series not for a podcast how dare you but i didn't this is before I even had a Star Trek podcast, Adam. I just watched right. it for funsies when it became available on Netflix back in the day.
0: Star Trek as fun, you say. Yeah. And not yeah. career.
2: <laughs> so I was sitting there going like man, like I know I've seen this, and I'm I had a sneaking suspicion that we'd reviewed this episode before, but the the computer said otherwise. So I was like, maybe I'm just remembering it from when I watched it for funsies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, until about 20 minutes in, I hit pause, and I was like, fuck this. I'm doing the deep dive into my own notes. Yeah. And I searched my own notes, and I found all the same jokes. <laughs> <laughs> from a from a notes document I had from 2018. Ben, <laughs> the greatest discovery was only a couple months old yeah. at this point, when the show reached its first max phone drive, and we decided to do something fun to... Reward the people who supported the show, a show at the time which no one knew would become the sensation that
2: it's become. The smash. This is the hit. hit
0: new Star Trek podcast.
2: Yeah, so we did in fact record Mirror Mirror, but it's been behind the paywall this whole time, and a lot of people haven't heard our review of that episode.
0: It's been buried under four years of Max Fun bonus episodes. It might as well <laughs> be in the center of the earth. On- <laughs> On the MaxFun bonus feed. It's why not too long ago we announced the Uxbridge Shimoda bonus feed, Ben.
2: Right. So um, take a trip back with us in the Wayback Machine as we review Mirror Mirror uh, and, um, you know, I mean, I guess we could have just recorded another review of it, but uh, instead we're just going to present this warmed over old episode as a new episode here in the main feed.
0: I listened to the entire episode. Very funny.
2: Oh, Good. <laughs> so he still had it back then
0: oh yeah it's before the light went out
2: amazing uh (laughs) well that that'll be a nice refreshing thing to put in the main feed also
0: yeah yeah (laughs) a nice boost
2: (laughs) well a bit of a relief also because uh we are just scrambling to get enough stuff recorded for this uh family leave i'm about to take and uh a needed respite from all of the uh, the rushing around. So without further ado, and in memory of the late, great Nichelle Nichols, uh, we present our old review of Star Trek, the original series, season two, episode four, Mirror, Mirror. We're on the Hulkin
0: planet surface. It, it's a, uh, it's sort of a gazebo play set,
2: yeah, we kind of come in in media race, don't we? I had to. I restarted the episode because I was like, "Did Netflix think I was like in the middle of this?" <laughs> I didn't know '60s TV had cool openings like this. When you're doing
0: a uh, a deal for dilithium, you wanna you wanna do that deal al fresco. <laughs> you know, take some crisp white wine outside, maybe some wicker furniture. Yeah, really chop it up. That's what, right. what they're doing here, except. An ion storm approaches And it's and it's dropping all sorts of Thunderstorm bangers on them It's sort of encouraging them to wrap up Their uh, their conversation So the Enterprise crew Can leave and that crew is made up of Kirk And Scotty and Dr. McCoy And Uhura
2: The Halkin leader guy That they're talking to Says that he can't part with any dilithium On behalf of the Federation Because he's just w- too worried That the Federation will use it to do anything bad. And the Hawkins really pride themselves on having a history of total peace. Yeah, what a bunch of pussies. (laughs) Hey man, Dan Savage would say they're a bunch of testies. Pussies are very strong, Adam.
0: It's true. And they are. Kirk is down there and he's trying to plead his case. He's like, we promise, we pinky swear, the Federation... Is made up of good people we're not a warrior race of genocidal maniacs we just want to use these crystals to get around the galaxy certainly you can see that and Tharn the lead Halkin, who I guess uh, has become their leader due to his advanced age
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a gerontocracy
0: yeah he's like uh, I'd love to believe you but I really can't it's really left kind of open it's kind of like a breakup that one person really doesn't want to happen the breakup E is like, no, like, you should think about it. Like, but the breakup R is like, no, it's over. Really.
2: When may we resume discussion? He pays some lip service to the idea that they'll give it a little bit more consideration, but he's like, don't hold your breath, Kirk. Don't drive by my house. <laughs> Stop calling. I'll call
0: yeah. you. Will, are you going to go to the gasworks tonight?
2: And uh, as they're getting into beam-up formation... We haven't really talked about how, like, sometimes you beam away and it's like you're in the midst of a Star Trek fight and you're Mm. falling off of a a balcony. But most of the time, if you're beaming up, you, like, walk four or five feet away from everybody else and get in a little cluster. Yeah. You, like, try to mimic having the transporter pad.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I sort of expected them to pace some steps away from each other to get
2: it exact. (laughs) Yeah, like it, like arm's length, like reaching, reaching out in all directions, making sure. Uh, <laughs> there was that embarrassing moment where
0: Scotty beamed over the stairs and then right. uh, fell into the <laughs> transporter room. That's no fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're getting ready to beam up and the hulking guy, Tharn, is like, Hey, uh, by the way, you guys have that big crazy ship in orbit. You could just kill us and take the dilithium and Kirk... <laughs> Very smugly goes, uh, yeah, and uh, we're not gonna. So maybe consider that when you're considering who you're given the mining rights to. Boy,
0: smug is the right word. He is peanut buttered in that attitude. Uh, <laughs> no matter what universe he's in. I, was, I don't know how much original series you've ever seen, but I, I'm just going to say it, Ben. I don't think I've seen an entire original series episode. All I've seen are the movies.
2: Consider that. Yeah, the original series cast for me is the movie cast, and they're all, like, the movies are all about, like, being old and, like, slipping into obscurity and stuff.
0: And as a teenager, (laughs) that really spoke to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But But, yeah, uh, like, the confidence of this crew and of Kirk especially was a deterrent for me in watching it.
2: I also just love the color in this show, like, the... It is so vivid, and these are the, like, HD retransfers of the footage, and they really did a nice job on the color timing and everything, just making everything pop.
0: It really looks Wizard of Ozzy to me at times.
2: Yeah. It's one of those shows that suffers a little bit from HD because, like, they definitely were not planning on anybody seeing the makeup in this high of resolution. It is slathered on with a trowel. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that Hawken outside playset doesn't look any worse than a season one playset of
2: TNG though. Like No, yeah. It's the same like the psych is fifty feet from yeah. the back of their head. And...
0: So much of it was very familiar to me in that way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's funny how I mean I, I think there were a lot of people still around from the TOS production. Working on TNG when it started.
0: The grip guy's like, I have all that stuff in my truck still.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I never threw it out. Yeah. (laughs) Close proximity psych? Check. (laughs) This looks like
0: Star Trek. (laughs) I only have 20 feet. You're going to have to get close.
2: So, Ion Storm. Same thing that uh, was happening when... uh, Lorca beamed off of his ship in Disco. You remember Disco's the thing that happened years before this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ion Storm is, is raging over the planet, and uh, they beam up, and when they beam up, their costumes have changed. They're looking at a goateed Spock. A lot of things are going weird.
0: Ahura is fully midriffed out. Yeah. All of the women of the Mirror Universe are showing midriff.
2: It's a choice that they did not choose to keep in Star Trek Discovery, and I wonder why all the pedants that criticized us didn't <laughs> also take it to Disco for not being as midriffy as this.
0: Good thing Nichelle Nichols is jacked in, on this show. Yeah, cause, cause she, she has she looks fucking rock-hard abs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had ab envy for sure. <laughs>
2: I've never had an ab in my entire life, and uh, I'm right there with you, buddy. I was, I was swooning. Speaking of O'Hara, I had sort of
0: expected her to be throughout this episode a very tertiary character. I mean, given the years that the show was made, and you know how this was very much Shatner's show. It's sh- it's the Shatner and Nimoy show, and and she's a
2: pretty tertiary character in the films as well.
0: Yeah. But she gets her own story. She does maybe the bravest stuff because she's alone for most of it. And she gets a pretty badass fight scene at the end. Right. So uh, Spock is giving the transporter chief the side eye because he's blaming the difficulty in beaming the crew up on the tech. And the tech is like, there's all this lightning around. I I did the best I could. And, And Spock was like, fuck that. You should have done better.
2: I like that they beam into the costumes of their Mirror Universe counterparts, (laughs) too. Yeah,
0: there was no time for uh, a montage of clothing changes, I guess, in this show. Ben, when you want to agonize someone on the go, and you don't have access to an agonizer (laughs) booth, uh, what you want is a little agonizer brooch. And that's what all of the crew people are wearing, and that's what Spock demands of this transporter tech in order to punish him for his bad transporting.
1: No, Mr. Spock! I tried. I really
2: tried. This is an innovation that they didn't have in Disco Universe. It's like a fun size candy bar when you want a little agony on the go. <laughs> Hunger got you down?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, like, this is the first of many, many, many scenes of the core crew playing it super cool when they see something fucked up. Like, Spock agonizes this guy against a wall, and this is the second time in maybe 60 seconds where Kirk sees something fucked up and just sort of squints (laughs) and and plays it like it's something he's seen a million times before. I was very impressed by everyone's ability to hold it together.
2: They're all on board for the idea that they cannot talk freely until they figure out what's going on. And I guess, like, you know, the fact that Spock is walking around with a dagger and a goatee is enough for all of them to realize that. But they uh, they play it cool as cucumbers. I'd say that the only little break that any of them shows is <laughs> at one point while they're still up at the transporter pad, Ohura checks out her manicure <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, like, shows it to, shows it to Scotty. <laughs> She's like, look at this. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a great moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but they, they come up with the excuse of, uh, well, that, you know, a little bit of a bumpy transporter ride. Why don't the four of us and none of you go to the six bay and uh, the dock can check us out and make sure everything is spick and span. This is basically the only
0: thing ha- that Kirk has the power to do is like, as long as he's out in the open, he and the rest of them are in danger. So he's got to squirrel them away. To talk about what the next move is.
2: Yeah, and uh, six bay is the is the privacy that they need to wrap their heads around this, and they pretty much figure out what's going on in this scene, like the you know between Scotty and Kirk, they're like Ion Storm, parallel universe, not our universe, not our ship. I, th- I was really
0: surprised that it was Kirk that came up with the <laughs> <laughs> the postulation
2: here. Like, really, you're the guy. <laughs> I mean, like, it bumped me the same way when Lorca did in Discovery, but then that was explained because Lorca had, like, gone through this already. (laughs) Well, everybody knows that Kirk is just a marauding sex fiend. What my theory presupposes is he's also an astrophysical genius.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I love that they get to to McCoy's six bay, and he's clearly been experimenting with, like, different colored pixie sticks. Like, yeah. his table is covered in powders. He's like, I gotta invent a new kind of cocaine. <laughs> the detail of the acid burn in the table seemed like a strange thing to note. Because the crew, by this point, has noticed, you know, the, the minor differences in their ships. But it takes Dr. McCoy to say, I have the same acid burn on my table, for them to realize what exactly? That maybe their differences are narrower than what they're thinking? That just seemed like a detail that, that felt like a clangor to me.
2: I'll be honest, Adam. I'm not a, a huge fan of mirror universe timeline mm-hmm. stories, and I think the reason is... It kind of takes this idea in physics of like every, you know, like of like quantum states where anytime something could be one thing or the other, it's actually both. And that's bifurcation that makes an alternate universe and every potential outcome happens. And, you know, we're cascading through one particular series of events, uh, which, you know, is a real theory in physics that I'm probably doing a bad job of encapsulating but the idea that they would be running in parallel at length for a long time and like lots of events would happen in the exact same ways and lots of people would be beaming at the exact same corresponding time and stuff in that's more of a like fantasy novel kind of idea than a science idea
0: right right well i expected it to be paid off later in the sense that like Oh shit, the, the phaser that I squirreled away in Prime Universe is still in, like, behind these wires in this bulkhead. Like, it was just because it was a singular example of similarity between the two. Yeah. That was why it felt off to me.
1: We have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention. What?
2: Who are you? we counter encountered them. Those are Klingons?
0: So at the end of this scene, they come up with a plan to send Ahura to the bridge, and this is one of the moments of bravery for her that really stuck out in that, I think for the rest of the episode, many of them are together, and Kirk has moments where he's by himself, but for Ahura to be the first one to leave the group and go to the bridge
2: totally freaks her out. She shows up on the bridge and finds out that it is a pretty hostile workplace with a lot of (laughs) HR problems. (laughs) I could change your mind
0: Yeah, there's uh, HR problems And also, uh, it does not look like an OSHA-approved workplace either Because people are are limping around and covered in scars Uh, One particularly scarred person is Sulu Who basically looks like he walked down the makeup aisle At a Halloween superstore and just took one of everything (laughs) (laughs) He promises he's going to look better next year at Halloween
2: (laughs) This scar loaf does not hold up it's real nasty. Yeah. It looks like it could flap off at any time. It's not really loaf. It's like a French crepe. It's not <laughs> it's doing like...
0: it for Ahura because Ahura is not into scarred people.
2: It's getting real grabby with her. He, like, takes her chin and tries... You know, it's like that that hostile, like, why won't you date me? Yeah, I think he even
0: sits on her lap or something. Like, he, <laughs> he, really, he really breaks her personal space here.
2: You know, she kind of... Uh tries to shame him for being away from his post and he says, like, cats away, mice will play. And she's about to smack him across the face when Kirk walks in to the bridge. I wish Kirk had timed that a little bit better so that we could have gotten some uh Uhura smacking the shit out of Sulu action. Right. It took him a while to get to the bridge
0: because he had to do that salute 50,000 times on his way there. <laughs> like, you would think for just to get around the ship... Like you wouldn't have to do that to everyone.
2: Like that. Yeah. Well, you see, like in movies, when when Hitler is walking around, everybody else is doing the full like you know going to full erect arm status, and he's just kind of going like just like waving at yeah, he's everybody, breezing by for yeah. for time. He's got a very relaxed sig heil compared to everyone else, uh, but but Kirk really throws himself into the role. You're
0: right, Ben. That's an example of Hitler doing something right.
2: It wasn't all bad, Adam (laughs) One piece of good judgment he exercised was Not taking up too much of his time Doing (laughs) Sig Heil really seriously (laughs) Whoever on the uh, set dressing department Got a hold of the stencil for making the uh, Imperial logo Really... Went sick. They fucking put that shit on everything. It's like you really know
0: you're in a Target store when you see that <laughs> logo on every fucking sign.
2: Yeah. And it's like so obviously like a spray paint stencil because, you know, they couldn't get this, the whole circle, you know, there are little like breaks in it where the parts of the stencil go through.
0: Well, I mean, and so many of them are on doors.
2: Like, every single door has it, but also any wall panel that is as wide or wider than a door has it. So, right. it's everywhere.
0: The deal on the bridge is that they've got these Hulken targets in their crosshairs, and they're sort of waiting for Kirk to give the order to fire on the planet. Because in this universe, the Hawkins have also denied their request for dilithium crystals. And the difference in this universe is that uh, that is a, an offense punishable by death. Death by bombardment.
2: And Kirk, you know, being the good guy that he is, is looking for ways to stall. And, you know, I, I think that, like, this was a pretty cool scene because they they don't quite know their way around enough yet to find, like, good, plausible in-universe reasons to stall. So he's just stalling and saying, like, hey, I'll tell you why I'm stalling when I'm good and ready. I'm the captain of this ship. Boy, I was really
0: expecting uh, the Charon... <laughs> to uncloak in front of them and and bombard the planet for them. Like, there are a number of, of story beats here that are very similar to what we get in the disco show.
2: I totally had the same thought, Adam. Like, when is somebody going to come blow up this planet, whether they like it or not? Right, right. Seemed like the thing that was going to happen.
0: So he allows the targets to leave the range of fire of the ship. And this is noted by just about everyone on the bridge, and especially <laughs> Spock, who is like, well, that is actually... A
2: serious breach of orders, Captain.
0: And I'm going to have to note that in your file, and... <laughs> this is going to go on your permanent record, young man. Yeah, and in Spock's way, he carries himself the way Prime Universe Spock does, uh, but what he's saying is, is the difference. What he's right. encouraging is what's strange. And that's, I think, what makes him scary is because he is so familiar in, in every other way. Like, it's sort of like what makes horror movie villains so much more scary when they're not screaming maniacs, but instead, like, coldly sober tactical thinker
2: types. Lowering the lotion in the basket types.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I think maybe James Gum is, is like in the middle of the two poles, I think. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, he's, I he's, like- he's, he's screaming a lot too, Ben. I feel like he can pass for either one, you know? Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, like he is cool as a cucumber when Clarice knocks on the door and asks about, uh, as cool as a cucumber shoved between your legs (laughs) (laughs) while you're, while you're walking around in an open robe, uh, (laughs) they get up on FaceTime with Tharn and, uh, and Tharn in the Mirror Universe is real bedraggled. Com- like, <laughs> he's, uh, he's not sleeping well. Didn't, didn't run a comb through his hair this morning. He has not taken his vitamins in this universe. Yeah, and uh, Kirk is like, hey, dog, you got a little bit more time to think this over. Tharn in the Mirror Universe is the exact same Tharn. Like, this is one thing that I thought... Would be kind of fun as if, if the Hawkins were the opposite. If they were like, fuck you. <laughs> we'll kill every last one of you. We have a, a perfect history of violence. We're going to
0: kill you by staying too long when we come to visit. <laughs> Turning your TVs on too loud.
2: <laughs> we're going we're gonna to include you on group texts with our friends.
0: <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's a big one. Kirk, right after this, sort of excuses himself. He's, uh, I gotta go take a shit, guys.
1: I shall be in my course.
0: Boy, not firing on the Hawkins, uh, really makes a guy have to take a great big dump.
2: (laughs) He goes with Chekhov on the, uh... On the elevator, and you can see that Chekhov is up to something just in the performance, and also the parenthetical, suspenseful music playing, and also the rack in super close to his face. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is this moment is super subtle. (laughs) Uh, And uh, when Kirk, I thought it was going to be a knife fight in the elevator, and I thought that I was going to find out that that thing that happened in disco was a reference to this, but. Uh, Kirk steps off the elevator and gets the open palm to the nose punch. I was legit shocked by
0: this. Were you? Like the blocking of this is perfect.
2: Yeah, it's good. That's a punch that I was told over and over again all throughout my childhood that if you got hit like that, it would jam your nose bone into your brain and you'd be dead. Yeah. It's the like one shot kill. You see it in Star Trek a lot.
0: In this case, it just leaves Kirk with a little bit of a uh, a flavor saver of
2: blood (laughs) (laughs) under his lower lip. Yeah, he's a little dazed and uh, Chekhov announces his dastardly plan to kill Kirk to, you know, to take over power. Or, you know, if Kirk is out of the picture, everybody gets a, a one point bump in pay.
0: He's got like a crew of your dad's friends to help him out. too. (laughs) He really
2: does. (laughs) There's never been a
0: a thicker crew of like barbecue buddies.
2: Yeah, denizens of the basement pool room are are Star Trek fighting in the hallway. One of them turns out to be loyal to Kirk and, uh, you know, breaks a pool cue. Um, yeah. That Bud Light stained glass lamp shatters. It's real. A hot Star Trek fight. Right. It's funny, like when, when somebody shoots a phaser on this show, they grab the freeze frame mm-hmm. and then draw the phaser line onto the freeze frame. Yeah. Because they did not have the technology to like track motion.
0: That's fun. <laughs> Yeah It doesn't uh, like When you describe it that way It sounds like shit But I didn't think it looked shitty at all
2: No it's well done for what it is Yeah It's just a lot of fast cuts And they find the right moments and stuff And uh, once this guy has taken care of Chekhov's little buddies A couple more blue shirts That are even more of your dad's friends Than the other guys (laughs) Come off the elevator And they're like Oh great cool uh, so, are we all up for some cool promotions then? And Kirk is like, yeah, you guys uh, you guys are good in my book.
0: I think this is the first time in the episode he kind of pivots into mirror Kirk a little bit. In that yeah. he punches this guy out and then he gives him an action movie line when he's done. I'm on my ship. And that's a real great moment for him. This is the moment where I think he, he starts making the case that if he had to live here, he could.
2: He, uh... Sends Chekhov off to the agonizer booth.
1: Yes, the booth. Carry
2: on. And then goes and meets up with McCoy and Scotty, I guess in his quarters. And uh and they they do some computering, some uh some good old fashioned Star Trek computering where they put in like several pieces of data and they get the computer to put a program onto a disc that can recreate the conditions of the transdimensional transporter.
0: Yeah, and I guess in this universe, they have the lost in space robot as the ship's computer. (laughs) (laughs) The voice is pretty janky here. Yeah. Ready? (laughs) (laughs) Meep boop, beep (laughs) boop. It's like when you're in pre-algebra and you figure out that you can work an equation backwards and forwards. Right. (laughs) The idea that you could describe a problem to the computer and then ask the computer to engineer backwards what happened and then put the solution on a disk that you can just take somewhere else on the ship. That's great. Yeah. That's technology that Enterprise D doesn't have.
2: Programming is easy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Enterprise D does have this, though. Like, Enterprise D can accidentally make a holodeck character that can take over the ship. Right. They just, like, I feel like they know where the bear traps are better in the future. <laughs> they rarely
0: ask the D, like, how anything happened. They're super content to try to figure out the solution themselves.
2: Yeah. Maybe that's just how they get off, you know? Like, Jody can't achieve orgasm without actually puzzling through the problem himself. Oh,
0: yeah. That warp (laughs) bubble. (laughs) So big.
2: I'm guilty of a terrible crime, Doctor.
0: For a good portion of the episode, just like in the Discovery eps, I was really wondering if we were going to see mirror universe counterparts in the prime universe and yeah. sure as shit they pay that <laughs> off here in a really fun yeah. like almost throwaway scene you only it's get like a, a minute it's like a smash
2: cut to spock throwing them in the brig yeah <laughs> it's awesome are you all executed i think not
0: it's super efficient because it's that tiny set it's one one minute scene and it's basically their four counterparts screaming inside a brig
2: yeah, it's the one standing set from the show that they didn't redress by yeah. spraying that stupid logo everywhere.
0: Yeah, tons uh, of fun. <laughs>
2: yeah, good times.
0: So the idea is they got to split up again, right? Because Scotty's got to go. Uh, he's got to go figure out a place to stick this new program. It's going to involve taking warp engines
2: offline. Yeah, and Scotty's been having trouble. Like he was trying to sabotage the phasers so that they wouldn't have to. Kill the Hawkins earlier and uh, didn't get very far. So, this is uh, a stressful situation where he has to like sneak around in engineering and do this.
0: Yeah, the stress is getting multiplied because as they get more and more separated, that's how things get more and more dangerous. And they're doing a great job of heightening the tension here. I really felt at this moment in the, in the episode that things were getting very stressful.
2: Well, the uh, the only way to really relieve stress, Adam, is with a nice sexy time with a sexy lady. Yeah. And uh, that's what Kirk finds when he goes to his room.
0: Yeah, he finds the fair Marlena Moreau waiting. And uh, in the way that she's sleeping on his bed, you wouldn't think that her hair would be perfect upon standing up, but... Oh, but it is, Adam. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's looking great. She must have
2: only laid down a moment ago. Boy, the women's hair in this episode is really something else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Like, more length and volume than is humanly possible at every turn. This seems
0: like the most difficult scene for Kirk to act as if. Because in every other moment, there were multiple people to sort of take cues from. And when confronted with, uh, with Marlena, he only has her. You must know what you're doing. You always do. This seems like the most... Difficult thing for him to do Because she's not giving him anything to work with He's trying to figure out if they're lovers Which they clearly are He's trying to figure out if she is like a crew member Even and what exactly she has the power To do over him
2: She's got a rank But her job Seems to be hang out In captain's quarters And be available for sex Maybe And also like kill people with a
0: Computer screen that they have in the corner of his quarters, which is fantastical.
2: It's the, uh, the tantalus field. So it's revealed that M.U. Kirk has this tantalus field device that he stole from some alien race. And what it is, is a surveillance system where he can like set the screen to focus on anybody on the ship and then press a green button and they disappear. So this is the secret to Kirk's power, is that uh, if anybody gets a little big for their britches, he can sort them out, you know, without having to knife fight them in a corridor.
0: It's a power that's almost Q-like. It's so powerful. i press, and he dies. And yet he trusts his captain's woman with it, you know? Like... You'd think if you had that sort of technology, you'd keep it to yourself, but it's clear that... Uh, she
2: knows the two places on the wall panel to push to open it up and and get at it.
0: Yeah, Marlena is basically the, the operator of this device, and it's Kirk that sort of points at people and makes
2: it happen. He gets a call at this point from Spock, who's like, hey, listen, blew your little uh, stalling tactics with the Hawkins by the... Folks over at Starfleet Command, they're not that happy, and you've got three hours to kill everybody, or I'm uh, supposed to kill you. I'm just letting you know as a courtesy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting a wake-up call at a hotel, like, <laughs> thanks, like, it's, it's almost exactly that way because you hate to get that call because yeah. it's four in the morning when you need to get one, Yeah. but you also appreciate it because it hips you to something you need to know.
2: I would love to hear war stories from the person who does the wake-up calls at a hotel. Like, what kind of abuse they get flung back at them. <laughs> you know? Like, weary business travelers who went to sleep with four and a half whiskeys in them and then wake up at 4 a.m. and go like, Fuck you! The Hamilton account will take care of itself! We're
0: constantly pitching new podcast ideas to each other, Ben. I think that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 15 minute episodes i'm into that don't steal that
2: <laughs> i feel like radiotopia would uh would give us some money to produce that right yeah if we get some sound rich editing techniques
0: <laughs> oh so rich that rich hotel room audio <laughs> pastiche
2: oh man last week i was traveling for work and i stayed in a hotel room that was just like it seemed like all of the sounds in the entire hotel f- somehow focused themselves in my room, <laughs> like every drunken idiot walking down the hallway at two a.m. and Your room was an audio vanishing point. Yeah, I also at one point called down to the front desk because, like, I I got in late and I just needed to like eat something quick and go to bed. And I called down and I said, "Do you guys have in-room dining at this hotel?" Uh, I can't find a menu in my room. And the guy at the front desk said, I mean, you're allowed to take food to your room. (laughs) I love that guy. I know that I know
0: how angry that must have made you, but that is hilarious. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Cool. Back when I used to work retail, I got in trouble with management for uh, a customer came up to me and asked where the, the print cartridges were and we were both standing right in front of them. And I thought it was, I thought it was a bit I, because it was so unbelievable. Like basically this entire aisle was print cartridges. And I looked at her with the face that I often have and you've seen it before. And I was like, You mean these? (laughs) And then 20 minutes later, a manager came over and was like, Yeah, we had a complaint about you uh, (laughs) with regard to the print cartridges. And I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me." Like, let's reenact exactly what happened.
2: Like, like and I'll show you how ridiculous her are. Oh, uh, that is. always goes over well yeah. with a manager. <laughs> the the uh, get a load of how funny I really was, defense.
0: No, but it was a bit. <laughs> All I do is it's, it's, it. no Yeah, unfit for retail, the Adam Prianic story. <laughs>
2: downstairs on my little leprechaun and uh, i recommend it uh, it works great uh trimming the hedges in your irish garden isn't just for below the belt you can complete your look with their new signature beard hedger pro kit plus handyman electric face shaver Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at Manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed, and one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was factor meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap and they got you covered all throughout the day they got pancakes smoothies grab and go bites and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week plus you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time so head to factormeals.com trek 50 and use code trek 50 to get 50 percent off That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off.
1: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly, incredibly fascinating. Find us by searching for the word "secretly" in your podcast app and at maximumfun.org. What? 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 What's happening?
2: What? No! What's all this? I'm trying to save you. What is this? So we've got like some new information. There is a death ray device. The clock is ticking. Kirk radios up to um to his buddies in the engineering section Scotty and McCoy and says like hey listen like we're in big trouble because Spock is going to kill me in 3 hours and Scotty's like you don't know the half of it dude if we don't beam out of here in 30 minutes we are all fucked because the window of like you know field density or whatever is closing And uh, if if it goes back to normal, we are not going to be able to punch through into our own universe. Kirk is like,
0: I came up with this whole idea. Of course I know what field density is. Jesus, Scotty.
2: (laughs) Everybody knows I know what field density is. (laughs) Of course we do,
0: sir! It's so hard to tell how much information Kirk needs based on that earlier scene where he comes up
2: with a whole idea. And the complicating issue is they're going to have to divert warp power to power up the transporter for this thing. And uh, that is going to raise eyebrows on the bridge. Like, people will notice when they do this. So they need to figure out a way to distract Sulu, who's the chief of security. And uh, they need to do this all in the next 30 minutes. So, I was
0: pretty impressed with, like, the octagon of conflict that the show constructed. Because, like, yeah. it's Spock sort of for and against Kirk. It's Sulu against Spock. It's Sulu against Uhura it's Marlena Check up against and Kirk. Kirk. If you were to tell me that, that we would have fairly developed conflicts between all of these characters and you only had 45 minutes to set that up and also conclude the story, I would have said that you would have needed two episodes,
2: but... This episode is kind of a Swiss watch. Like I reread the plot synopsis this morning.
0: Yeah. Did it take you like 20 minutes the way it took me? It's <laughs> yeah. just crazy to, to go back into TOS apps. There's substantial research to be done on these
2: we have a little scene where spock figures out that scotty and mccoy are doing something but he can't figure out what they're doing because they put like a security lock on the program that only scotty and kirk have access to and uh and he starts talking to sulu about kirk and the three people he beamed up with are up to something
0: When you're on a crew where death moves you up a rung, like, every single conversation ends up being... Like, lowly Sulu, he is as close to the captain's chair as he could ever be. Like, he's seeing people with a chance to die ahead of him, and he's just relishing that.
2: But, like, they're also, like, really afraid of Kirk because the, you know... I think it's Sulu that says his enemies have a, a way of disappearing.
0: Yeah, everyone knows that he has a secret power.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm in command. I could order this.
2: So back to Kirk and Marlena, who has changed into a very revealing, like... It's basically like a bikini with a sheer cover-up. Right. More than a dress. (laughs) You know, Kirk, we've just found out, has a ticking clock and needs to be in the transporter room in 10 minutes, but spends a good amount of time, (laughs) like, talking Marlena through a little, like crisis of self that she's having and, you know, tries to give her some affirmations and let her know that she is the captain's woman and that she doesn't need to, you know, go bang her way through the entire Starfleet to to get to be some other captain's woman.
0: This is one of my favorite scenes in the ep because they're saying a lot of things Literally, but they're also meaning things differently than how they're saying them. And yeah, they're she, sort of confusing each other. And Kurt
2: kind of confuses her with a kiss. Yeah, he, he tot- she totally thinks he's calling her a loose woman. And he's like, no, I just think you're very capable. <laughs> yeah, I really
0: like that. I, and I liked how their confusion with each other didn't lead to a revelation. Like, the the subterfuge remains... She can tell that he's different and has changed somehow, but there's not that reveal that is like, "Oh, you're definitely not the man that I knew. You're just a man that I used
2: to know in a weird way." It's been a long time since he kissed her like that. Yeah. And that uh that really puts her on Kirk's side, I think, that that scene. Like it seems like a long time to spend when the clock is ticking, you know? Like the the tension right before this scene gets ratcheted up to 11. And then this scene is like long and not, does not really seem to have a lot to do with Kirk's problem. It's, it's to do with her problems.
0: I almost feel like they stopped the story here and then wrote the end. And then like this scene exists so that Marlena can get them out of the pickle at the very last scene. Yeah. And you, you don't allow that unless you have this scene a few scenes before that. Like, the math of the show depends on this moment. And in a linear fashion, it doesn't make sense that Kirk is there, but, like, in total, you need this scene to happen.
2: Right. So, Uhura needs to distract Sulu so that he doesn't notice when the one amber button on his panel lights up. And uh, the way she chooses to do that is by appealing to his romantic overtures and then... (laughs) <laughs> and then quickly changing tacks and pulling out the knife from her boot scabbard And saying, I changed my mind, asshole this, uh, this is a very hostile
0: work environment
2: Yeah, she's like the only woman in a room full of dudes Who are all like leaning all over the, all over the walls and equipment and everything Like, <laughs> yeah And uh, she like literally backs out of there with the knife a
0: moment that really impressed me about this scene is that there's like three security people up bridge toward the turbo lift yeah. and they don't attempt to stop her or like hold her back or hold her down or anything. Like I love that Sulu acts alone and I like that Ahura is given an equal respect to be a fuck up on the bridge as anyone else in this universe. And I thought that was <laughs> right. great. Like there, yeah. w- no one was ganging up on anyone. and I- And that... Uh, that felt fair and and good to me in a surprising way. Like, because this shit could have gotten so dark if, like, Sulu signals the security guys in the back to hold down Ahura, and then, like, there's an assault or something. Like, how fucked up would that be?
2: It's kind of a cool thing about the Mirror Universe is, like, everybody is down to let everybody resolve their conflicts, you know?
0: yeah. Like the free agency is what keeps things fair, almost that that everyone is out for their own ends keeps things somewhat equal in a fun way.
1: We have engaged the Klingons. 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 What the hell is going on on this ship? I have no idea. What is this?
2: Sulu did not notice the warp power transfer, and uh, looks like we're home free. And Kirk is in the transporter room modifying the controls when Spock gets the drop on him. Takes Kirk into Six Bay, where the other three are waiting for him. And Spock is like, oh, I get it now. The landing party. There's something wrong with all four of you. The clarity
0: of his thought is contrasted with the grainy blimp footage that we get in the fight scene that follows because yeah. we go way up high uh, for some of this fight scene and there are there are some stunt performers not wearing <laughs> the right facial hair maybe not even wearing the right uniform
2: it's like the fight scene and i'm gonna get you sucker yeah <laughs> everybody is just obviously a different person
0: that was my fight in an episode that I didn't feel like had aged particularly poorly, this is the moment where things really went wrong. I mean, it's all the Star Trek fighting you've come to know and love over the years, but intercut with that, that stunt work that is like not truly necessary... Because the yeah. close-up stunts with the, the primary cast look pretty good. And I think you could intercut all of those without having to go up high just to see someone thrown over a six bay table, you know? Like that stunt isn't good enough to cut away to.
2: Right. It's like people just doing somersaults. Like, yeah. It's, you can get the same effect by just moving the camera fast and going in close as people swing their arms wildly. Yeah.
0: Pretty fun. A lot of uh, of those, you know, dropping an axe handle on someone's back or like the open palm punch. Like a lot of like straight across the line Star Trek fighting here.
2: Yeah, this is the filmmaking of people who know that the only people who ever watch this will be watching it on crappy TVs from the 60s.
0: The roundhouse that Admiral Quinn created for himself has not been discovered yet, unfortunately.
2: Not a lot of legwork. (laughs) So, uh, they kick Spock's ass. I think they, like, break a skull over his head or something. Is that what it is, or is it, is it just like a ceramic pot? I think you want to decorate your workspace with a couple of personal items, Ben. It, yeah. Uh, keeps your zone of influence cheap and cheery. Just check in with HR to make sure nothing violates company policy.
0: Let's other people know you have a bit of a personality and maybe some uh, interests outside the workplace.
2: Yeah. You think Kathy is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> always seems like swimsuit season is coming up. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's
0: always swimsuit season in the mirror universe.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The way Spock gets taken out is pretty rugged and pretty brutal. And Scotty's like, hey, guys, we got to go. Like the door is closing on us being able to get back. And Bones is like, no way, dude. Like this guy is going to die unless I treat him. So you guys need to help me get him on the table right now. And this starts a fairly pronounced countdown
0: scene. And the conflict is that McCoy's sense of medical duty and not doing any harm, the Hippocratic Oath of the Prime Universe, I guess, is portable. To any universe that he goes to.
2: Well, it's the same, like, it's McCoy being confronted with the same kind of dilemma that Kirk was confronted with, right? Like, Kirk is not going to take out a planet full of people, even if it isn't in his universe. It's like, he's not, he can't live with himself if he does that.
0: Right. And so McCoy makes the case that he just needs five of the 15 minutes to fix Spock up. And, And that will allow enough of a cushion for everyone to get to the transporter room with him the last one to show up uh, so he, that he can live with himself if, in fact, they're able to get back to Prime Universe.
2: Right, but uh, this delay is enough for Sulu and a bunch of his security guys to now get the drop on them, and uh, they hut-hut-hut into the Sixth Bay. It's not looking great for the gang, but then Marlena starts pushing buttons on the Tantalus field, disappearing Sulu's men in order from least Important first. (laughs) She's got a code. Yeah. Sulu's, you know, red shirts first. And then Sulu's like, all right, well, this isn't going great. So uh, he still tries to knife Kirk, but Kirk does the karate chop to the forearm, disarms him, and uh, they knock him out. And uh, Bones is like, all right, why don't you three go on ahead, get the transporter room ready for me? I got to finish up with Spock. Spock kind of like comes to on the table and forces a mind meld with bones because Spock like mirror universe Spock cannot wrap his mind around why anybody would help him Mm -hmm. or (laughs) why the gang is behaving the way they are. The scene where Spock wakes up, you really get a nice shot of his eye shadow.
0: A <laughs> man must also have the power. I thought it felt a lot like uh, Picard waking up as Locutus. Like the way he grabs McCoy's forearm felt very similar to me. The way he wordlessly does that, especially. I don't know, that made me think of that scene. Really intense moment when he gets up and sort of pushes McCoy against the wall. McCoy doesn't say anything. It's the silence in this scene that is... Uh, Especially heady to me.
2: Not the last time Spock and McCoy would share minds. Yeah. So the uh, the other three show up in the transporter room and uh, Marlena is in there waiting for them with a phaser. She wants to go with. She's like heard over the Tantalus what the real story is and realizes that Kirk is not the MU Kirk that she's been the captain's woman of but she likes the idea of this prime universe and uh, she wants to go with him. And he says, like, Listen, we got enough power for four people, and I got to take the four that we came with. She so. kind of
0: presents a co-bow kind of plan to, <laughs> to Kirk. Maybe we can start a new life. You take me with you.
2: <laughs> if, uh, if you don't get that reference, go ahead and listen to our uh, Friendly Fire bonus episode, which is also in the Max Fund donor bonus feed.
0: I really felt bad for her Like, it would have been cool if she was able to go back with them, I think But this isn't that kind of show
2: No But yeah, a lot of the time, people that get to see how good it is in Prime Federation Don't get to then go live in Prime Federation Yeah, what a tease
0: My people were biologically determined for one purpose alone
2: to sense the coming of death. What? To sense the coming of death. This doesn't make any sense.
1: I sense it coming
2: now. None of it makes any sense. Sounds like nonsense to me. This is where Uhura gets to do a little action of her own, disarming Marlena, who, you know, draws down on them. Yeah,
0: Marlena wow. took her eyes off her target, and...
2: Yeah. You can't do that. The boots that the ladies wear, an officer position anyways, are like full thigh length boots like they come up to they come up to mid thigh Mm -hmm. and at the top there's a little scabbard for their dagger (laughs) so ohura pulls the dagger out of marlena's boot and takes her phaser away
0: they do a good job of uh of blocking the action toward the camera here like when you think about how a fight works so often it's two people facing each other But because Marlena's facing the transporter console and is behind her, like, the action comes at the camera in a really fun way in this scene
2: when she disarms her. So they're getting ready to beam out and uh, Spot comes in with McCoy and uh, he's seen the real McCoy. He's seen the McCoy from Prime Universe from the inside and uh, offers to operate the transporter for them because... He had turned off everything to uh save himself some time so he could get up there. I really love his
0: reason for doing this. Wasn't it wasn't like he he melded with McCoy and went like, Oh, you guys are so good. Like <laughs> we're we're so not and oh it's such a tragedy that that our universes are so different. Like, there's a practical reason. He needs his captain back. Yeah. And I love that about his reason for help, that it's not altruistic, which would be a total character change for what we know about people in the mirror universe like this seems true and good
2: yeah it's the right way to write the character and also the right way to write kirk's character Is kirk you know plays a little a little logic chess right before he hops on the transporter pad he says like listen dude like there is no defensible way to justify the political system in your universe it's bad and it's not sustainable You guys are going to fall apart eventually, and it's going to mean a lot of death and a lot of needless suffering. So just uh, put that in your little pipe and smoke it. All right, I'm out. Tip your bartender. He does the blackjack dealer thing. He just sort
0: of claps his hands, waves it a couple of times. Yeah, shows them to the cameras, turns (laughs) them over. (laughs) All right, uh, Mirror Universe, Kirk will be your next captain.
2: (laughs) If you've got to win, you've got to hit they uh, hop on the transporter pad and they rematerialize on good old Prime Enterprise and goatee-less Spock greets them. And the uh, the button on the episode is they're hanging out on the bridge and Kirk is like, Spock, you're, you're a real sharp tack. How did you know that our counterparts from the Mirror Universe weren't really us? And Spock says that uh, because they were barbarians... They couldn't uh, play like they were civilized in the same way that civilized people can play like they're barbarians.
0: Sure would have been interesting to see the flip side.
2: Like, they could
0: have done this episode twice, right? Back to back. That would be cool. And you see Mirror Universe crew try to escape their own situation. Like, what if Spock had not brigged them and instead they had free run of the ship? Would have been an action show.
2: Kirk and Bones start kind of Busting Spock's chops about how the, the beard gave mirror Spock character. and It's a good thing Spock doesn't process
0: feelings like humans, because they really <laughs> fucking make fun of him for, like, the last two minutes of the show.
2: Yeah, but he gives as good as he gets, because he says that uh, he thought that the brutality and savagery of their mirror universe counterparts were splendid examples of Homo sapiens.
1: Yeah. The very flower of humanity.
0: He double middles them with his logic. <laughs> At this moment, a Prime Universe Marlena shows up on the bridge with a pad for him to sign. And Kirk like double takes, like, like a guy working a construction site. <laughs> like, uh, who is that DJ Scat Cat? In the, uh, t- <laughs> <laughs> he basically DJ Scat Cats her. And, like, pursues her across the bridge after a moment of of recognition.
1: I think we could become
0: friends. Like, there are mirror universe elements to the Prime Universe, and one of them is uh, Kirk's free ability to hit on whoever he wants in the workplace. <laughs>
2: he does indeed have that, Adam. Did you like this episode? Uh, I did. I was really tired when I was watching it, so I was like, you know, and the the pacing of TOS episodes is so slow compared to Discovery episodes, for example, that uh, I definitely had to, like, make a conscious effort to pay attention and not, like, look at my phone and shit. Oh, yeah? But the story was fun, and uh, I think it's well written. I think the pacing and... You know like like there's stuff that's hokey about it, but there's also stuff that totally holds up and is good, so yeah, with all the caveats of mirror universe anything i uh I liked this i I think this is maybe a better episode as a one off than the wellspring for an entire series of things that happen in this universe mm. but a fun a fun one off in my opinion,
0: yeah, how about yourself i am surprised at how much I really liked this episode because I ex- I approached it from the perspective of a guy who never wanted to watch a TOS episode.
2: Yeah, we talked about the idea of doing this as our bonus for the donors and we were both like, uh, "All right." Yeah, I expected
0: it to be a slog of of hokiness and for it to be not fun at all, but this episode held my attention and I was very excited to see it and it like, it makes me excited for the possibility of watching more TOS episodes, to be honest. And that is a feeling that uh, really surprised me. I didn't think I would ever come to a point where I would be interested in doing that. Whoa. And uh, I think it's opened me up to the possibility. So I think one of the things I'd like to explore the possibility of with you is is watching maybe the Harry Mud episode, watching maybe the other Mirror Universe episode in TOS and and doing a little bit of that dabbling while we do the Discovery show. Not committing fully to watching <laughs> TOS, because who would do that? <laughs> but uh, it's got me interested in, in seeing more. I think this is a fun ep. Maybe it's an outlier for TOS and that I've been duped, and that, could <laughs> very well, that very well may be the case. But uh, if I was duped, then they did a hell of a job here, because I thought Mirror Mirror was a lot of fun.
2: We have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention. Your tongue is too human. I am programmed in multiple techniques. Your tongue is too human. A broad variety of pleasuring. Uh, What's happening? uh, What is going on? I'm getting very close to... I sense it coming now.
0: Ben, this is a bonus episode from 2018, which means... Off of the assembly line, it did not have priority one messages, but... Now that we've resurrected it, now that we've dug it up (laughs) out of four years of bonus episodes and surfaced it like a sunken battleship, (laughs) uh, we're ready to fill it up with Priority One Messages, Ben. What do you say we get over to the inbox and see what we got? I
2: thought you'd never ask.
0: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
2: Adam, our first Priority One message is from Ducky, the dude who called Ben a fake fan on Twitter. Ooh. It is to Ben, just Ben.
0: You know what's funny about that is that when I listened to this episode, we commented on how many people had taken great umbrage with the idea that we hadn't really watched TOS episodes at all, and that this was some sort of way to satisfy that angry horde, Ducky being among them, I'm sure. I think one of the most frequent comments we we received about Star Trek Discovery was, why don't you watch the original series episodes that have stuff to do with Mirror Universe? Then you know as much as I do or whatever. And that's exactly the tone in which those tweets were written. Like very nasal condescending tweets right there.
2: The message goes like this. I'm sorry. It was a bit... Also, sorry for crossing the streams, but on TGG, you wouldn't see this till the Bell Riots. (laughs) I'm a BFOD from way back, MaxFun donor since your second MaxFun drive, P1 purchaser, RSVP Wedding B-Day, and been at all Boston live shows, the balcony at once was the best seat TBH. Hope these scarves soothe the psychic damage. Wow. (laughs) I don't know if many people would
0: agree with you, Ducky, about the balcony seats at the once, especially the ones like in the restaurant up there that I think some friends of DeSoto were were sat in.
2: Yeah, that was uh, not our finest venue choice in history. But uh, Ducky, I don't know that I was calling you out in particular. I've been called a fake fan many, many times on Twitter. Right. So, uh, do you have Ducky muted? I don't know. I don't know what... Ducky didn't include their Twitter uh, handle, so I don't know what specific tweet they're talking about. I
0: feel like the apology is incomplete without the Twitter handle, Ducky. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Include a link next time.
0: <laughs> you know what? Ducky's actually smart. I wouldn't want to put my Twitter handle on this show either.
2: Yeah. Do you think Ducky is even going to hear this? Because they're an OG... Max Fun supporter, so they've probably heard this bonus episode. They're probably not gonna re-listen. You know what, Ducky's
0: probably in the same position we were an hour ago when we were watching Mirror Mirror going, <laughs> It sounds familiar. <laughs> Did this happen? <laughs> I think we're all reliving this moment together.
2: Yeah, Ducky. I just want to say thank you so much for the support. And if I misinterpreted a bit online, uh, know that uh, it, I didn't take it personally or carry it with me. And I appreciate the uh, <laughs> I appreciate the scarves to soothe my my psyche. God,
0: listen to you, Ben. You're in a really good mental space. Very aspirational. <laughs> Ben, our second Priority One message is from Billy. It is to Joey. The message goes like this. I blame you. Whoa. You're the reason I've spent hundreds of hours and multiple live shows listening to these two chuckle fucks blather about (laughs) Star Trek. And now I've given them $100 to tell you happy birthday, not on your birthday. Thanks for introducing me to the Uxbridge Shimoda family of products. I love you, but I may never forgive you. Road drop, please.
2: <laughs> hey, we appreciate Joey as well for uh, A, ruining Billy's life and B, putting people onto the podcast.
0: You can call me a chuckle thuck, but it'll cost you a hundred dollars.
2: That money supports the show. (laughs) Indeed. Thanks to everyone who got a P1 on the episode today. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to get one, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Adam, did you have a drunk Shimoda? Incredible drunk Shimoda.
0: If we were ever to do TOS as a greatest gen series, I feel like there's no way Kirk could be B over the long term. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to like start it off with Kirk. This entire situation should be terrifying, but he's the guy who sort of holds it together for the crew. And I like seeing that, like who is scared. Scotty and McCoy are, are seeing shit that's freaking them out. But there are times in this episode that I feel like Kirk is adjusting and playing the long game in that if he has to stay, could he do it? And I think he is uniquely equipped to be able to survive in this universe with very few adjustments. <laughs> and there's a fun factor to that that maybe is just a projection from me onto him. But like, there are moments where I feel like he's enjoying this in a fucked up way. <laughs> uh, there's like his there makeouts with Marlena his Star Trek fight in the hallway, like how good he is at not betraying his true feelings to these people who upon discovering him would kill him immediately. He right. was super competent in a way I wasn't expecting. I thought he would be clobber em up Kirk, <laughs> <laughs> but he seemed more of the reasonable thinker than I ever imagined him to be. And maybe that's anti Shimoda in a weird way too. But I guess for the first reason, Primarily, I'm, I'm making my Shimoda Kirk. What about you?
2: I don't know if this quite counts as a Daily Double. It's kind of a Daily Double edge case, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it does. My Shimoda is Mirror Universe Kirk. Oh, fun. For the reason that uh, he uh, he let his special lady know where his death ray was. Right. Like, that is an amazing amount of trust within the context of a super untrusting mirror universe to extend to somebody. And it is like, it's revealed that it is not a good thing to trust her with at all, because the second he leaves the room, she fires that bad boy up and is following him around the ship with it.
0: There are some things that we don't disclose to our wives, Ben, and where the <laughs> death ray is, is one of those things.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to go into the other room for, um, I don't know, masturbation. <laughs> that was an extra long shower you took there, Ben. What was that about?
1: I was, uh,
0: that was not the death ray. Yeah, that was definitely
2: anything but the death ray. Which I don't have. <laughs> Mind you. Wow, Adam, an episode that predates Edward Larkins. That was a lot of fun to listen back to. But, uh, you know, we got to do our homework and if we forgot our homework, we got to go back and redo it, right?
0: I agree. You know, in meditation, Mm. one of the instructions is to be your your childlike self, your most open puppy-like self. Sure. When I listen back on you and me doing the show from four years ago, listen to those puppies. (laughs) (laughs) Just playing around in New Star Trek, not having any idea what would be in store for them four years later.
2: Uh, yeah, we we truly didn't. Uh, <laughs> we didn't know what we were staring down the barrel of.
0: No, and that is a great big, long, dirty, hairy barrel of Star Trek <laughs> that we were staring down.
2: Now, in all this excitement, I kind of lost track of whether there's five new Star Trek series or six. <laughs> so you got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? <laughs> well, do you, punk?
0: Uh, I feel very lucky to be doing this show with you, Ben, and very lucky to be receiving the grace of the Friends of DeSoto for playing a rerun this week.
2: Yeah, a bit of a clip show <laughs> this week, but uh, hopefully it was a fun new one for a lot of people. And uh, if you liked that, there's tons more stuff behind the paywall in the bonus feed. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Where can people find the Uxbridge Shimoda centric bonus feed? That's just our show's.
2: So if you're not yet a supporter, go to MaximumFun.org slash join and set up a membership. And then if you are already a member or have just become a member, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash DeSoto. And when you sign in there, it will just filter to our shows. And all of the bonus episodes we've ever made for either of them are in there. So uh, go check them out.
0: Yeah. And in some cases like this, uh, they go back many, many years.
2: Indeed. And we're making new bonus episodes every month. So lots more to look forward to. With that, we're going to throw to our producer, Wendy Pretty, to close out the show. Here's four
0: years ago, Wendy, to end the show in her best NPR voice.
2: Take it away, Wendy.
1: The Greatest Discovery is an Oxford Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. The Max Fun bonus episode from 2018 that we featured this week was edited by Rob Schulte, and you can find more of his work in the extensive back catalog of this very podcast. There's so much fun stuff in there, so if you've just recently found the show, definitely get into those stacks. There's not going to be any pod next week for The Greatest Discovery, but Lower Deck Season 3 is coming up, and we've got a full season rewatch on the schedule. Ben and Adam will be back on August 23rd with a recap of Lower Deck Season Two ahead of the Season Three premiere. So rewatch with us, and we will see you back here in a couple of weeks. Thanks to Adam Ragusia for all of the original music we use on this show. He's got a podcast and a YouTube cooking channel. Just search for Adam Ragusia. And thank you to Bill Tilly. He manages the social media for Experts Shimoda. Use the hashtag Greatest Discovery to talk about the show online, and make sure you're following at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with more of The Greatest Discovery.
0: I can occasionally rub two fucking brain cells together on a Tuesday. Hey, Utah, give me two. Brain cells.
1: Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.